When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to the On Purpose Podcast, where together we will learn from personal stories and explore thought-provoking topics, all with one goal in mind, living a more purposeful life. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the On Purpose Podcast. You know it's always an honor to be here with you and to help brighten the days of people around the world by sharing inspiring, thought-provoking, and purposeful content each and every week. This week, we are excited to uh, have our first delve into the true crime area of podcasting world and our guest is a an expert witness soon to be retired law enforcement professional who's doing outstanding work around the country and was just one of the the biggest witnesses one of the most likable and believable witnesses in one of the bigger murder trials around our country in recent time the Murdoch trial so I'm excited to, to get on here with you and share our conversation where we talk a little bit about the trial, some of the stuff behind the scenes, how he prepared for it, what was going on in his mind, what's next for him, how do we bridge the gap between community and law enforcement, and what's the craziest thing he was asked by anybody since he rose to fame following the trial. So sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation with Dr. Kenny Kinsey. Dr. Kinsey, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, Jared. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I will tell you, though, I, I will tell you, you're the first guest in a sport coat here. So <laughs> you make me a little nervous. <laughs> Well, my friend, I had I had on a uh, I had on a MMA T-shirt earlier. Uh, Randy Couture. I'm sorry, I didn't have a, a Jared Hardy, but I had a Randy Couture. But I was I thought I'd be a little bit underdressed, so I had to do a little better. Oh, I love it. Randy was one of my favorite fighters, and actually, my uh, business partner when we owned a gym was a teammate of Randy's. Wow, wow! I've got much respect for him and all the guys around him. Much uh, respect. Yeah, he was a pioneer for sure. That is so funny that when we connected for this podcast, you had stumbled into my MMA stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, I thought I knew, I thought I knew the name, but then I told you how I was going to jive you about being a uh, Matt Hardy's brother, and I said, "Let me check first because I may run into this dude, and I don't want to get the heck beat out of me." So, uh, let me do a little research, and then I found several of your fights and your nickname and. That kind of thing, and and your most importantly, your law enforcement background. And I said, this is going to be okay. This is going to be good. <laughs> well, we're honored to have you here. I'm excited to to have some fun, and, and obviously, there's some things we'll talk about. But uh, man, it's a pleasure to have you with our community. I can't wait to share your story. Thank you, friend. It's my pleasure. Thank you. But now, let me tell you, though. Let me tell you, Doctor Kenzie. I can't just throw you to the main event. You got to work your way up to the big stuff, right? Just like. Uh, 
Just like your MMA career, you just don't jump in and go to Randy Couture. You got to start with some lighter people first. So I got I to gotta run you through my warm-up questions. Are you ready for these, Dr. Kinsey? I'm ready, my friend. I'm ready. Send right, them to me. Here we go. You are stranded on a deserted island, and you get one food for the rest of your life. What are you going to be eating? One food. One food. Choose wisely. You got to eat it every, rest of your life. Ribeye. A ribeye steak, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Now, follow-up question, because I like follow-up questions. Do you season that, or are you going to sauce it? What are you going to do with it? I, I do a dry rub, cook it real, real hot. Uh, inch and a half at about 14 minutes, seven on each side. Oh, so you sound like a professional. You've done this before. Every Friday night. <laughs> well, I'm coming over to your house on Friday then. You're always welcome. Always. All right. You get one superpower. What superpower do you want and why do you want it? Critical thinking. Ooh, nice. Well, and the reason I want Critical thinking is important for every situation you could be in. I like it. I like it. Favorite book? Ooh, novel. That that one's going to be that one's going to be tough. Uh, favorite book? Are you talking classical or uh, biography? What? If I come by your house on Friday for that. That ribeye that's cooked seven minutes on each side with a nice dry rub. What book's sitting next to your bed? Well, Jared, I spend more time reading the Bible uh, every day. Probably my first book uh, other than the Bible. would. Uh, I'm really, really fond of Chris Kyle's story. I've already read it two or three times. Really, really fond. And uh, I wish I'd have had the opportunity to meet you. American Sniper? Yes, sir. That's a Long before I watched the movie, I read the book. The books are always so much better, don't you think? Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. All those men and women are heroes. And uh, those are the real heroes. And I really enjoyed the book, and I couldn't wait for the movie. And now, you know, the movie's on once a week, but I revert back to the book every year or so. <laughs> nice. All right, you get to have dinner with one person. They can be still with us, or maybe they passed on already. Who would you have dinner with, and what would you want to ask them? Wow. One person. Man, I'm just going to go old school. Probably probably the lady that helped raise me, my aunt, uh, lost her in 2011. I, I'd have to say her. Of course, grandparents are always there. You know, I, I feel like uh, we got to say everything we ever need to say, and, and I'll see them again. I truly believe that. But probably my aunt, Nett, that, uh, that raised me, left me on unexpectedly in 2011. Oh, very nice. What would you want to ask her? I'd like to ask her if she thinks I did okay. Uh, I've made uh, a lot of progress since then. And uh, <laughs> I just, I'd like to ask her what she thinks. I love it. I, I love it. Are you warmed up? How you feeling over there? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready, brother. I'm ready. Let's go to the mat. Don't let's sing get, it, bring it. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's start with the obvious here, Dr. Kinsey. Were you surprised at the level of in interest the Murdoch trial generated around the world? I'm not surprised, Jared, uh, but to be honest, there's been a lot bigger trials. I am shocked at the recognition 
and, and the contacts that uh, I have made with people because of the Murdoch trial, because, you know, the guy, all the guys, men and women around me, myself, we've all worked bigger. It's just tied to a name. And I, I knew the name was powerful. I knew it was a big name with one heck of a dynasty. Uh, but I never, I never realized how much it would touch people worldwide on a worldwide scale. What do you think about it? What was it that made it unique to touch people, as you described? What do you think was uh, was different about this one? Well, you know, at first, I uh, I really struggled for, you know, I've actually struggled the last couple of weeks thinking about it. And you're like, you know, for all these other homicides, death scenes that law enforcement has worked around this country, and most of them do not generate this kind of media uh, scrutiny, uh, coverage, whatever you want to call it. And I was really, you know, struggling with, I, I guess, all those feelings that are associated with, with why. And then a, a very wise older gentleman told me, said, well, maybe you're looking at this thing the wrong way. Maybe this is a win for the common person, the person that's not in it, that's not connected. And maybe that's why people latched onto it so hard. Because it's it's seeing uh, it, it's seeing the the wealthy and the one with all the resources and the one that always gets away with it. Maybe people are attached to it because they're finally seeing that tumble. And I, I guess I'm looking at it that way now. It's a little bit better, but at first I really really struggled with it and all the news struggles because I mean I don't I don't I don't want to get into a whole lot of graphic stuff, but I've seen children lined up on the floor and shot execution style. Uh, you know, an incident called the Holly Hill 4, Holly Hill, South Carolina. Yep. And I remember two news trucks, two news trucks, you know, during the coverage for, for that. And you ask yourself why, but then this older gentleman, he said, look, man, take it and, and run with it and, and look at it as, you know, the common men and women won this time. And that, that helps me deal with it a little bit better, I guess, and, and, and all the scrutiny and, and all the coverage. And I can only tell you, Dr. Kinsey, that that right there is is why you're what you're doing is so important. That humility that you just talked about right there, like you, you didn't once think about what was in it for you and get in front of more cameras. And you were wanting to make sure that you connect this high publicity trial to the common person that the honestly maybe is disenfranchised with law enforcement and the system in whole. How did you stay calm and collected during all the cross-examination when, quite honestly, many of the other expert witnesses did not in this trial? Jared, I know you're familiar with Andy Griffith, and, uh, you know, I still watch it today, <laughs> and I'm 54 years old. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But one of the attorneys... Uh, made a statement. My my first two degrees, my bachelor's, I, I graduated, thank the Lord, 
Oh, I promised God if I got across that stage and they give me that piece of paper, I'd never go back to school. And then, you know, 20 years later, I decided to try hand at grad school and I got accepted in Troy University, which is has a satellite campus near Shaw Air Force Base here in my home state. And a lot of our men and women use their GI bills to further their education. Uh, our, our men and women service members who use their GI bills. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. And I actually went brick and mortar. I traveled every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to class. And, uh, you know, it's about a 75 miles away. And I did that. I made that trip six times every weekend for 13 months. So one of these attorneys said something and it slighted me or slighted my education. And I took offense to it because my piece is online. But all my research was in person, and I actually did four uh, residencies in Atlanta, Georgia. So I took offense to it. He said, is this that guy that has the bubblegum wrapper degrees or something to that effect? Mm. And, you know, I've got 30 years under my belt and a, and a lot of accomplishments, but they're not because of any degree or letters after my name. It's because I did it, and I had a lot of great men and women with me doing it with me, and... And I took offense to it. So I said, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to chop him down. I said, I'm going to go in there and make him look like a horse is behind. And the attorney general here in South Carolina, Mr. Alan Wilson, he said, well, you do whatever you feel like you need to do. And, and, and he deserves it. Well, then I started thinking about what your grandmama tells you. You know, be nice to everybody, even when they're not nice to you. And I said, I don't really care what this attorney thinks of me. And to be honest, I really wasn't thinking about what the world would think of me. But I want to make them 12 men and women in that jury box like me. And we call that lady or gentleman in the black robe, we call them the judge, but they're really not the judge. They're the referee. Yeah. Those 12 men and women are the judges. And it's hard to kick a man continuously, unless you're in your line of work. Continuously, it's hard <laughs> to kick a man below the belt if he's nice. So if, if you look at my testimony both times from beginning to end, I was extremely nice. You know, what do we call you? And, and he was trying to get a laugh. Dr. Chief, Kenny, Deputy. Sir, you can call me whatever you want to call me. I'm going to answer. And... I was just nice. And after a little while, it kind of shuts them down, Jared. They don't, they can't insult you because you're nice and they don't want to turn that jury against you. So I kind of, I kind of got payback. And like I said, I've got a lot of respect for those attorneys, but it kind of gave me just something in my heart, a little bit of payback, just being nice. And obviously the jury liked me. So it's my style. I've been doing it a long time in the courtroom and it just works. Did you come across that style naturally or did you make make some mistakes along the way that helped you identify your style? Oh, no, sir. I have I have left the octagon many times <laughs> carrying my behind because, you know, you're you're a little police detective and you try to jump in the tank with a great white shark that's making, you know, one hundred thousand dollars to defend this client. And you learn quickly you can't jump in that tank with that great white shark. And it I, it just developed over time. I have, I've left out of there many times with my hat in my hand, but uh, it's kind of developed over the years. You learn from your mistakes. 
yeah, that's that. That's quite honestly what separates people making progress in life from those that are sitting where they're at is learning from mistakes, right? Not just denying them. You got you got to learn from mistakes for sure. Not everybody does that though, Doctor Kinsey. What? <laughs> what? Has this level of interest done for you personally? What's its impact been on you, you personally? It's, it's vindication. Uh, I don't know if vindication is the right word. Uh, but my family and friends, you know, over so many years when you're missing holidays and validation is probably a better word. You're yeah. missing holidays and birthdays and celebrations and trips and you know, and they don't really know what you're doing. They know you, you're dealing with some real, real bad stuff. But it was such a validating experience for my friends and family, which I, are very, very important to me. It was validation when they see what you're doing. And now they say, oh, I understand. You know, you're not. And it's no disrespect to those that do man the perimeter because I've been there. Yeah. But. They know you're not manning the perimeter. They know you're dealing with uh, the absolute worst stuff you can deal with in, in our profession. And it's just a little bit of validation. Now they understand. And I, I guess that's the not the best thing, but but that's the that's the part that uh that I really not really enjoy. But I'm glad I got to live that experience so they can finally understand what we do. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, that's that's powerful stuff because you're right. The the family a lot of times doesn't understand if the sacrifice is going to be worth it or not at the end of the day. And they're married to it also, Jared. You know, your your wife is married to it also. Anytime you live in this world, you're loved by a lot, hated by some. I mean, it, it's just validation. Yeah, no, absolutely. So how do you, this career you've had, you, you've really, obviously you're, you're one of the highest level experts now in, in some of the biggest cases around the world. How do you balance staying positive in your life and not getting pulled down by the trauma and stuff you're seeing? What's your strategy for that, Dr. Kinsey? Well, you know, Jared, the worst ones are children and they say, and I truly believe the word, that God's only going to give you what you can handle. And I've been so fortunate, the hundreds of death scenes that I have had a hand in helping with or, or either investigating as a primary, it's only been a dozen or so children. And don't get me wrong, a dozen's too many, but I look at it as evidence. You can't take it personally. And I always try to work for the victim, whether it's the wrongly accused, that's I believe is being prosecuted for something they didn't do or whether it's that that suspect that needs to have handcuffs put on them. I'm working for the victim. When I go in there, I have to work for the victim. And when I can't work for the victim, I'll quit doing it. Yeah, that's true. That's a great, great perspective. You, you mentioned something and, and something that was really interesting to me as I prepared to for this interview was that you want to help defend people who are wrongly accused have been wrongly treated by our system. Talk to me about that passion. Cause it's easy being in law enforcement. It's easy for law enforcement to throw up all the barriers and think we don't make mistakes. Everybody's out to get us, but we're not 
you know what I mean? Be resistive to change. But but you and I are 100 percent agreement on this. There are bad apples in law enforcement, like any profession, and our job is to get rid of them. And our job, the way we improve is by admitting faults and looking for our own deficiencies and working to fix them, not pretending they're not there. So talk to me about that that passion you have, too, of defending the wrongfully accused and looking to kind of help bridge that gap for our law enforcement community in the future. Absolutely. And thank you for asking. I think that's the most important thing we can do as a profession. Jared, we've seen some real bad stuff. I mean, real bad. You can't dress it up. Uh, you can call a goat a cow, but people are going to know the difference. <laughs> and when you look at some of the, we never thought we'd see a man choked to death on worldwide television by a police officer. Right here in my own state, you never thought you'd see a man shot seven times in the back running away from law enforcement. Walter Scott, North Charleston. Right. You can't you can't clean that up no matter how big an advocate you are. And we have to look, we have to realize now I still think our profession is the most admirable profession out there. You know, we have over seven hundred thousand men and women that wear this badge every day that have 10, 20, 30 citizen contacts a day that end peacefully. But because of social media, we see the same five or six over and over and over again. And I've come across that guy. I've come across that guy that looks just like me. And the, the, the one thing that a good police officer hates is a bad police officer. And We'll do anything we can do. We should do anything we can do to root those out. And the second thing is we need to be accountable and we need to up our training game. We owe it to ourselves, our families, and the communities we serve to be as responsible as we can be and be the best uh, police officer, law enforcement official we can be. And I don't think there's any compromise. There's no... There should be no compromise there. I couldn't agree more with you. Let me ask you about something that that I am seeing because, you know, we're, you and I both are, are still affiliated with law enforcement, even though we're retiring and moved from the streets. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Something that I'm struggling with, and I want to get your opinion on this, is the compromising of standards for hiring because agencies are short-staffed around the country. 
Jared, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe there should ever be a, a compromise when it comes to standards, period. Uh, I'm very fortunate at our agency. We're only 127 uh, employees, and that's a, that's considered a medium-sized sheriff's office where we're at. You know, a large, large office is 600, 700 officers, and we've got some small ones with a dozen. But we refuse to, to compromise our standards. Uh, I think if anything, we ought to be improving our standards. And if you have to have some kind of conduit for a lesser standard, then you ought to have some type of recruiting and training process before they are considered hired. And if they want to work toward that standard, you help them work toward that, that standard. But I don't think we should ever lower our standards. If anything, we should be up in our standards. Yeah, I 100% agree. But the deficit, hey, the the deficit is there nationwide, whether you're in Orangeburg, South Carolina, or Boulder, Colorado, I believe close to you. I mean, the deficit is there. So I just, just don't think standards are the things we need to look at lowering. No, I 100% agree. And we, we can't pretend we don't know what happens when we lower standards. Right? We've seen this play out in the past. You get people in that shouldn't have been cops to begin with, and then you wonder why they do dumb stuff down the road. When they weren't qualified to be there. Absolutely. So lowering standards is a short, short-term fix and a long-term problem, in my view. I agree. We we are we are dead even on that. I agree so much. <laughs> what? Um, so how do? In your perfect world, so now you you have the attention of the world listening to your views and listening to your expertise in law enforcement. What do you say to start repairing the damage and bringing communities and local police back together? What, what can you, what would you say to them if they're listening? I do it now. Uh, now, when I lecture or when I speak to large groups, I say, look, and it's in my research. I don't know if you had a chance to look it up. It's free. It's online. I don't, I didn't sign up with a company to charge. I just don't think that's right. But I tell them, look, we had a, and my research now was pre-2016, so the numbers have changed a little. But I tell them we had an 87% increase in ambush deaths of police officers between 2011 and 2015. We saw them incidents that you and I spoke about just now, and they're bad, Jared, they're bad. You can't make them look good. So you've got part of our community that are jumpy, You've got our law enforcement officers jumpy. When you come into a crisis on the side of the road that usually starts with resisting arrest, that's just a bad combination uh, out there on the road. It, it's just bad to happen on the street, and it rarely ends well. And so what you got to do, you got to get to this young generation, and, and we got to be honest because you know yourself, if this young generation catches you in a fabrication or catches you in a lie, they're done. And a lot of us older folks are the same way. But we got to get this younger generation and we got to let them understand that they are the future. And we got to start including them. I mean, you look at <coughs> Michael Brown, for instance, in Missouri, not saying Michael Brown was right, wrong, not saying the officer was right, wrong. But the uh, U.S. attorney, uh, United States attorney's reports online but it all started on a lie. And the authorities there knew 
that the shooting did not start with hands up. Now, I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong. That's not what I'm here for. But if you look at uh, Attorney General Eric Holder's report, you know that it was an assault in the patrol car. So the first thing we got to do is put the truth out here. We've got to tell the community the truth because they knew and they sat on it for days and days and look what happened. And then you got to do action. You've got, you've got to implement action. When you have a bad situation, when you have a crisis, you've got to call in your community leaders and you've got to cut it to the quick. I'm not saying throw officers under the tire because I never do that. But if you've got something blatant, you cannot hide it. You can't hide it for six or seven or eight months because the media is going to uncover it. You got to be honest with the people. I love it. And, and that's that's tried and true, right? Like, I think that's one of the things that we struggled with for so some reason as we, and I say we as in law enforcement, felt we had to be perfect. So if we made mistakes, we didn't want to disclose it because you thought the public would distrust you. So you kind of handled it in-house. And what happened was just what you said. They distrusted the process because they weren't involved. Right? Most communities know their police, police departments are not perfect, and they don't expect you to be perfect. You're human. But they do expect, just like you said there. That's right. Dr. Kinsey, they expect you to be honest. And that's that's where this whole thing starts, right? Like if we're honest with the community, then then they're gonna that's where the relationship begins. Absolutely. You know, Jared, we like to put people in two buckets when we start talking about the community policing philosophy. We like to put us in two buckets, and usually that corresponds with skin tone or skin color. I can take you to neighborhoods where everyone looks the same, but there's seven eight, nine different cultures in that neighborhood. I truly believe that to uh, be the power for the people because they're giving you that authority, that badge. The, the Glock handgun isn't the authority. They're, they're giving you the authority. And I truly believe, number one, it starts with learning something about someone that's different than you. It's being able to have a dialogue with someone that thinks a little bit different than you do, or maybe has different opinions, where you can do it civilly and not like we've seen so much here lately, where if mine and your opinion are different, then we're just arch enemies. That, that's not the way it really is, and that's not the way it works in community policing. You empower the people to help you keep their community safe. And I think it's a good philosophy. It's been around a long time since Robert Field, but I really think we miss the definition. I think we really, really miss it because we're trying to put people in two buckets and we got to have a lot of buckets. So how do we, how do we start to fix that? It's all in the recruiting. It's all in the information, sharing information. You know, prior to 9-11, police agencies didn't work together. The bad guys worked together. The mafioso worked with the street gangs. The street gangs worked with the motorcycle gangs. But law enforcement, we wouldn't share information. And now we've learned. Now we've learned and we do a little bit better at that intelligence sharing. And we've got to do the same thing with the community. It's there. It, I, when I go into a community meeting, it's their neighborhood. And I tell them, this is your neighborhood. Tell me what you want me to do to help you. Because in the end of the day, that power comes from the power they give you. you. You don't take it. They have to give it to you. 
And I think in, involving the young people, uh, doing things and realizing that we've had a generational shift and the things that are valuable to, uh, you know, even millennials now, the things that are valued to some of the, the higher age millennials may not be valuable to the Gen Zs. And definitely the baby boomers, a little different set of values. You've got to learn those values and you've got to uh, position as much thing, as much of the job around those values as you can, because 30 years ago, you wanted a pension. You wanted a lifetime check and you wanted, you know, health insurance. Some of the new employees that I hire right out of college now, if they had the option, they take a 401k and they want a desk job in two to three years and they want to be a captain tomorrow. And <laughs> it's just a different generation. It's, it's different, but you cannot just ignore it. You have to address it and you have to address them and you have to include them because they want to be needed and not just wanted. So you have to tailor your daily activities toward some type of fulfillment for them because just getting through 12 hours doesn't work now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, that's awesome you say that because I, when I get to speak and, and, get in front of people and I hear them groaning about this next generation and the work ethic and blah, blah, blah. And I always tell them like, who created these generations? You did as parents, you created this generation. So don't pass the buck down the road. They, no kid came out knowing they were all going to get trophies. We as parents started giving everybody trophies. You are so right. Because what did we want? We started with wanting our kids to have more than we had. And we wanted our kids to do a little bit better than we did. And we ended up giving them the whole island. <laughs> and you're right. We've got to address it now because what is the option? The option is skipping their generation. We can't do that because we're old. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And it, and it, But I love what you said, right? Every generation will have flaws and every generation has strengths. And I believe it's it's the the wise person would play to the next generation's strength instead of just sitting back complaining about their flaws. So how do we, Oh, you're so, you're so correct. So what do we do? How do we make policing attractive for that next generation? That's on the fence. If they want to put up with this much scrutiny. It's technology, Jared technology. Really? We, uh, you know, in the in the older days, you were going to be a, a beat cop for five, six, seven years before you could even consider a lateral transfer, much less a promotion. We have them now come in and, you know, get their minimum on the street. They pass all the standards. They get out of FTO and they're proficient in all the activities that you have to monitor and document. Then they say, look, I don't want to do this. I want to go be a school resource officer. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I'd rather be shot in the foot than be a school resource <laughs> officer. But that's what they want to go work at the technology center. I want to work at the library. We have a real nice library here, uh, big on technology. And I'm like, son, you want to work in the library? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got an interest in this and this. And you wouldn't believe it. But you kind of got to give them just a little bit of line. And you've got to give them the uh, resources to accomplish and believe it or not, it works. I mean, from victims advocates, you got guys that are built like you that you don't want to meet in an alley 
And, you know, I want to go work for victim services or I want to do this. They just have different goals than we do. So if we can tailor, if we can tailor our training and our activities around that technology that they love so much, and I can't program an alarm clock, but <laughs> if you tailor it around, like you said, around their strengths and you, you, you deal with their weaknesses, you try to address their weaknesses, but you tailor it around their strengths. Because when we started, you kept your mouth shut, you worked eight hours, 10 hours or 12 hours and you, you went home. Yeah. That doesn't work. They they have to be, they have to have feedback. They have to be part of it. And so you make those opportunities, you give them more opportunities to do more than just being a beat cop, but you have to have a happy blend and they'll do the part they need to satisfy if it enables them to better themselves in, in technology or the direction they want to go. Yeah. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And I also think we have to temper expectations that an employee that comes through the door and doesn't stay for 20 or 25 years is a failure, right? Because we know with this generation, a lot of them are not going to do 20, 25 years. They're going to do 10, 15. They're going to go, like you said, they're going to pursue something else in technology because they're really educated. They have a lot of interest. And quite honestly, it's fairly healthy to switch careers at some point versus for a lot of people spending 30 years in law enforcement ends up being a health detriment to them down the road. What? You're right. Good. I said in our state, they're considering a career five years now. Uh, they say in five years, half of the new recruits will be out of law enforcement. So with the, the attrition of the older guys, we better figure this thing out because if we don't figure it out, it's going to be really bad. We've defunded ourselves. Yeah, that's funny you say that. We defunded ourselves. and Yeah, and when we don't acknowledge shortcomings, when we don't acknowledge our faults, when we don't act with transparency, we are our own worst enemy. It's no, We don't have to look anywhere else down the road for who's against us. We're actually against ourselves. Wow, you're a wise man, Jared. You're dead on. You're dead on. Or either we're both wrong. Ah, that's all right. Hey, at least we're a good company. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kinsey, what's been the goofiest or craziest question you've been asked since this trial? I've had 10 marriage proposals. <laughs> oh, man. Good thing. Good thing. you. Were and, and my wife, my wife, uh, like I told you, I, I've been I've been married to my agent for 20 years and we've been together <laughs> for like 27 but she handles my social media. So that's not a real good thing when marriage proposals come <laughs> in on my social media. What was her first reaction when that happened? Well, some lady, and it wasn't, she wasn't being disrespectful. She was just being funny. She changed her handle to Miss Dr. Kenneth Kinsey. So uh, my wife had to get on there and let her know, no, no, that's not his wife. I'm his wife. And, and she apologized and actually asked her, Please don't block me. Please don't block me. Leave me on the site. So, you know, it's all good and it's funny. But uh, probably the marriage proposals, one of the ladies uh, uh, lives a different lifestyle, but she said it was okay because her wife uh, uh, was bi and, and she loved me too and she'd marry me too. So it, it was kind of funny, but that, those are the kind of things I'm getting, you know. I wanted to be an action hero uh, growing up, and I ended up being a Barbie doll with a uh, dowel rod, but 
I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. It's always love. <laughs> so what what's what's next for you? Obviously, you're, you're starting your own business. You're gonna be retired here shortly. Yeah, we uh we're talking with a lot of attorneys uh in in at least three different states. I've got the Alabama Attorney General's Conference in October. They've invited me to come out and be a guest speaker. And they're going to have 850 attorneys in, in attendance. I have got the South Carolina Legal Investigators Conference coming up. I have committed to that. And then I've got the South Carolina Coroner's Picnic. And they've asked me to come speak. And they want me to give them the good, bad, and ugly. And, uh, you know, like we've talked tonight, you, you can't cover some of this stuff up. So I'm going to go and try not to end up getting run off from Darlington, South Carolina, but I'm going to do like they ask. And I'm just going to try to get those agencies working together, state coroners, sheriff's offices, uh, other first responders. And I'm just going to throw out some ground rules and kind of explain to them what I've seen in my 30 years uh, where we really are not that efficient working together. And hopefully we can bridge some gaps there. Got attorneys calling every day, wanting advice. Uh, I'm having to be a little bit particular about it because I don't want to uh, get snowed under right now. But we're working on the webpage. It should be up and running in the next week or so. And it's not even going to limit myself. If I can help people, I'm working a couple cases pro bono, uh, death investigations where families were not satisfied with law enforcement's uh, results. And I'm just trying to help people. And, and I try to tell them, look, if you don't have to use my results, but they're my results. I won't change them. I won't compromise my integrity. And it just is what it is. But I will give you an honest assessment of it. So we got a lot of stuff going on, man. We're loving it. I'm still trying to live that camper lifestyle at least one <laughs> long weekend a month with, uh, with my wife, you know, and, and we planned a couple vacations. So it's really, really nice right now. So what do you do so our audience can connect with you uh, out on the personal side, outside work? So you get home from a long day. You got three days off. What are you, how, where are we going to find you at, Dr. Kinsey? On a Friday night, you'll find me on the back porch eating a steak and sipping an adult beverage. On a Saturday, I'm usually teaching uh, concealed carry classes. I've got my own classroom here and, and, uh, uh, local gun store books the classes and sends the uh, students out here. So I'm usually doing that all day Saturday. Sunday is just a lot of lounging, Jared. Uh, if I'm not camping, it's a lot of lounging, maybe a little cooking involved and uh, reading and trying to catch up on something from the week. But I'm I'm fairly laid back, but I can go to 100 real quick. <laughs> all right. Well, and I, I believe one of uh one of our community members wanted uh saw on your twitter that you're a bourbon affectionado so what kind of bourbon do you like well i'm i'm just an affectionado uh, of all adult beverages but i'm a uh, woodford reserve uh blanton i can only dream of daniels uh man i that you. I'm not too good cigar and a glass of bourbon over an ice cube and I'm great. Okay. So Friday, seven minutes on each side for the ribeye, dry rub, and a that's and gotta a, be the big one now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well you're 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 I'm come I'm just coming over to your spot. You pick whatever you want. Well 
Come on, bring it. <laughs> and a little bourbon on ice. That sounds great. Yes, sir. I'm a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Kenzie, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Where can our audience connect with you further to stay stay in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm on Facebook. And pay attention. I'm on uh, LinkedIn. And pay attention because real, real soon, I'm trying to do it in the next 10 days. I have my webpage up and going. Kenny Kinsey and Associates. And they can reach me there. I've got a real good agent, Jared. She, she's right there on Facebook and on Twitter. <laughs> she's handling all the marriage proposals as well. Yes, sir. Hey, she's she, she's good. She'll she'll treat you treat you right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute honor to have you. And please keep up your 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 good work. It's so much needed in our community nowadays. Hey, it sounds great, Jared. Thank you for having me. And let's stay in touch, man, because uh because you're quickly becoming one of my new heroes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. And remember, team, life is far too short to live any other way than on purpose. We'll see you all again next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.